So, this week, my topic is relationship goals. Ooh, I like the, the background effect. So, chances are, you may have heard this phrase before. And for those of us who haven't heard it or are not familiar with it, it simply means when you see a couple that you think are doing well and they're inspiring you, so you're just like, relationship goals, I want to be like them when I grow up or when I'm older or later down in life. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about that, but I'm going to be speaking about it in a different way. So, sorry to burst your bubble, this is not a talk about marriage or dating or courting or any of the above. I'm going to be talking about relationship goals in the way that God would have us be relational with each other. This is the relationship goals that we should have as Christians. So... Let's pray, and then I'll get stuck into this. God, you are so good. You are so good. You are so kind. You are worthy of everything that we can give to you this morning and any other day. Lord, I pray that as I go into your word and share it, Lord, you will open and prepare everybody's hearts to receive your word, to receive your life, to receive your truth, Lord, that we will go home today with our lives never, ever being the same again. Amen. Amen. So, today we're going to be reading from the book of Revelation, the scary book in the Bible that nobody tends to read. We kind of, we tend to do Psalms and a, a few of the other books, and the New Testament, we tend to do the Gospels, and then we stop there because we all think Revelation is going to freak us out and stuff is going to go out of our heads. So, we're going to be in Revelation today. So, Turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. It says this, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Okay, so that got really deep really quickly. So let's unpack this. So, to the angel, to the messenger of the church in Ephesus, tell them this, write this. And I'm going to read it again now in the New Living Translation. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So, reading that, that sounds like a glowing reference, right? Good things, yeah? So, okay, 
Ephesus has applied for a job and he works hard. He doesn't backchat people. He's tenacious. He's got hard tolerance levels. He does all the things he's supposed to do. Right, sounds good. Then you get to verse 4 and 5 and you get a damning statement. And it says this. I'm going back to the English standard version here. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This is where it gets deep. And why is God using such strong words here? Because they had abandoned their love. Why does God care so much that they stopped loving each other. He even goes as far as saying, because you've stopped loving each other, you've actually fallen. Let's consider this. God is sending these people a message and he's saying, you're working really hard. You're doing all the things that you think you should be doing to build my kingdom. In fact, the church seems like it's growing, right? You're, you're, you're working, you're, you're not taking on bad doctrine, you're not believing the lies, you're even calling out people who are doing wrong to make sure that everybody's got the truth in your head. That's what God's saying. But he's like, but you're not loving each other. Why does God care so much to send this church this message to say, your works are fine, but your love is not? God says, if you don't repent, if you don't turn around and make it right, I'm going to remove your lampstand, which means I'm going to remove your sphere of influence. So you're not going to have as much influence in your generation as you should. Why is it so important to God that despite everything that they were doing, he's still calling them out for not loving? He rebukes them so strongly for not loving each other. Why? Because God is love. He literally is love. His very nature, his being, his character, everything about him is love. And anything you're doing without God, without his love, doesn't matter. And he was saying that you're working hard for me, but without my love, it means little. This passage is saying that every action we take for God has to embody his love. It has to flow from his love. Any action for God that isn't directly flowing from the life and character of God is a man action and not a God action. I'll say that again. Any action for God that isn't directly flowing from the life and character of God, which is his love, is a man action and not a God action. And what God is saying to this church is somewhere along the way, I have become not your source. Somewhere along the way, you've been more focused on the doing instead of me 
being your source. Instead of trying to share the love and the character and the passion of God. Somewhere along the line, you found another source. Somewhere along the line, I've stopped being your overflow. God has stopped being your overflow. God has stopped being your driving force. And you've just got into the routine and the habit of this is just what we do because we're Christians. We do this just because it's what we should do. And God is challenging us this morning to say, stop doing just because and put my love back into the mix. Now, this isn't a, there are some messages that are feel good and happy and they get us all rumbled up and excited and woo! I'm trying to stir you up in a different way. Because God's saying, you guys are working hard, but put my love in there. Put my love back in the mix. Stop letting everything else govern how you work and make sure my love is at the core and center of every single action you're doing. God is saying that they lost, they lost their love. They started to move in their own strength. They started to move based on their own wisdom and not God's wisdom anymore. And God was saying, your works are fine, but you've not got my love in there at the core of what you're doing. Any action for God that isn't directly flowing from the life and character of God is a man-based action and not a God-based action. And this concept isn't only in Revelation. I'm going to read a couple verses that show that all through the Bible, God has this thing that without love, it's nothing. Without love, it's nothing. So let's turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 13. It says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is expressed in us. No one has seen God, but if we love each other, then God's love is expressed in a way that they can see God in us. And this is why it's crucial that every action you take must be rooted firmly 
deeply in the love of Christ. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he lives in us. God has given us his spirit, his spirit of love that is meant to be living, active, transforming. It is the love of God that changes everything. It's not the works that we do. It is his love that is expressed through us that changes everything. And sometimes we look around and we wonder why things aren't changing or growing or going as they should. And it might just be because we're not expressing the love and the character of God in every single single thing we do every single day. Verse 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God. How can you know this great, powerful, awesome, life-changing God, and it doesn't infect every action and spur you on. That's what God is saying here. Another example in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3. And a lot of us should know this if you've ever been to a wedding before, especially. But (laughs) If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but I didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You might be thinking, okay, that makes sense. I got to love, yeah, get it. But the passage in Revelation says, go back to your first love. So how do I even know if I've lost my first love? How do I know if my actions are just a clanging symbol now? Here's the question. Do your actions bear the fruit of love? That's the benchmark. That's how you know. And if you carry on in 1 Corinthians verse 13, verse 4 now it says, Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged or being right. I'll throw that in there. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That is the fruit of love. And if you're wondering if you've lost your first love, then I'd say, read that. Are your actions patient? Are your actions kind? Are your actions jealous or boastful or proud? 
Do your actions demand your own way, demand that you get your own way and it's done how I want it now, when I want it, like my two-year-old at the minute has no understanding of weight. <laughs> he wakes up in the morning, mommy, I want milk. Okay, Gideon, wait, milk. Okay, Gideon, good morning, Gideon, milk. Good morning, Gideon, milk. <laughs> do you keep record of wrong? Or do you keep record of right? Because they're the same thing. Are you the kind of person that says, well, last time I did this for you and this and this and this, and you haven't? No, you're keeping record. Love doesn't do that. Are you irritable? Do you rejoice when bad things happen to somebody? And you might think you don't, but the common example of that is when something happens and you go, I knew it, I knew that was going to happen. told you I'm not going to say it, but I did kind of tell you so. Do you give up? Do you lose faith? Do you lose hope? Because love doesn't. God doesn't. And this is what God was saying to that group of people. Your actions are fine, but there's no love in it. There's no patience in it. There's no kindness in it. You're jealous. You're boasting, you're rude, you're demanding your own way, you're irritable, your actions are fine, but the root is not. If your actions do not bear the fruit of love, then the root is not love. If your actions do not bear the fruit of love, then the root is not love. And so in Revelation chapter 2, God challenges this church and this group of people to say to them, and I'm going back to Revelation chapter 2 verse 4, you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember from where you fell. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove you from your lampstand. You've abandoned your first love. You've abandoned the love of God in all your actions. Remember from where you have fallen. Go back, repent, start again. Go back to basic Christianity. Go back to the love that you have for each other and for God. Start again. Get it right. Because when Jesus saved you, he put his love in your heart. And that's what we should be expressing in everything that we do. And maybe life has been hard for you. Maybe you've had some hurts that have hardened your heart. Maybe the weight of love became too difficult for you because you're trying to carry it in your own strength. But again, I say to you, when you became a Christian, you received all the love that you would need for every single day in your life. Maybe you lost your love because you buried it and you limited it and you put restrictions on it and said, I'm only going to show my love in this circumstance with this group of people because that's where I'm comfortable to show it. Maybe you suffocated it by doing that. Maybe your love has been lost because you've not been hiding in the Bible and in the word of God 
and you've not been spending time with Jesus so he could stir up that love every single day. Whatever the reason, God is asking you today to remember where you lost it. Go back, pick it up again, and let every action you do flow from the love of Jesus Christ. And remembering is such a crucial part of this story. Because many times in life, we just move on, don't we? Something happens and you just go, right, that's it, brave face, carry on going like nothing ever happened. But God says to them, remember from where you fell. Consider where you went wrong. And why is that important? Because a lot of the times there's trauma, there's pain attached to that situation. And if we don't remember and consider and heal from it, it becomes like you're moving through life with flat tires. And sometimes it's a slow puncture where at the beginning, you think there's nothing wrong with your car, you're still going, but as you keep on going, little by little, there's more and more air coming out of your tire until one day it stops you dead and go, oh my gosh, I've got a flat. When did that happen? Sometimes it's like a complete blowout where it's like, boosh, explosion, I can't move. But not dealing with your hurt and your trauma is always like damage to your tires in a car. Eventually, it will stop you. So God is saying, I'm not just asking you to pick up and go on. I'm asking you to remember, make it right, heal, get a new tire, and then continue on your journey in love. And whether you're a Christian in here today or not, The call is to go back to your love. Go back to God. And if you're a Christian, it's remembering the work of the cross. And if you're not a Christian, it's thinking about and considering today what God did for you and going back to your maker. So I'm going to share the gospel this morning because true love is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we can never grow weary of hearing this amazing thing that God did for us. So here we go. The world might say to you, it's all right. You're a good person, deep down. I know sometimes you get it wrong. You're a good person. Can I submit to you today that outside of Christ, you are not a good person? Apart from God, we are not good people. We don't meet his standard. We sin. We fail. Apart from God, we are not good. Don't believe me? Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For everyone has sinned, and we fall short of God's glorious standard, because he is a holy God, a righteous God, a perfect God. Luke 18, verse 19 says, 
And Jesus said, why do you call me good? For no one is good except God alone. Apart from God in our life, transforming us, giving us his gift of salvation, guess what? We're not that great. That is the gospel message. And if you've not heard it like that, then I'm here to tell you today, apart from God, you are not a good person. This is why we need a savior. This is why we need Jesus. Because apart from him, there is no good. Our sin deserves the judgment of a holy and a righteous God. Our sin deserves judgment. Romans 6 verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life. This is the gospel. That we are sinners, dead in our sin. And Christ died for us. He died the death he didn't deserve to die. To give us his righteousness and his life. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 to 11 says this. God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And while we were still hopeless, powerless to provide for our own salvation, at the right time, Christ died as a substitute for the ungodly, for me and for you. Now it is an an extraordinary thing for one to willingly give his life for even an upright man. Though perhaps for a good man, one who is noble and selfless and worthy, someone might even dare to die. But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were sinners, while we were sinners, he died for us. He died for us. Therefore, since we have now been justified, declared free of the guilt of sin by his blood, how much more certain is it that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him? For if while we were enemies, we were being reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain, having been reconciled, (laughs) thank you, that we will be saved from the consequences of sin by his life. That is, we'll be saved because Christ lives today. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God, rejoicing in his love and perfection through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received and enjoy our reconciliation with God. Rejoice in his love. This is the good news. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Because of the cross, we are justified. We are reconciled to Christ. We are made right. We were sinners deserving hell, deserving the wrath of God. And God looked down on 
cross and said, I love you. When he went to the cross, he was thinking about you. You were on his mind. He chose you. And if you've never heard that in your life before, if you've never been chosen before for anything in your life, this is why the gospel is so powerful because Jesus chose you. He chose you. He knew everything you were ever going to do wrong and he still loved you. And while you were a sinner, he died for you and gave you his righteousness. So how can every action you now do not flow from that love? From that love. From the love of a holy and a powerful and a righteous God who loved you enough to die from you because he knew you couldn't save yourself. These are our relationship goals that we love from this place. Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you boastful? What is the fruit of your love this morning? And if you don't have it, then remember the gospel. Remember what Jesus did for you. And love from that place. The worship team can get up. Because of Jesus' love. Because of his love, I can be patient. Because of his love, I can be gracious. I can love because he first loved me. And when I think about this gospel, how can my heart not say, God, I'm going to love. And every action I do is going to be infused with your love because it costs you everything to give me this love. And I'm going to share it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 13. I'm going to read it again. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything that I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And here's the fruit. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. 
I would like to challenge you this morning. Remember, remember where you lost it. Remember where your heart went hot. Remember where you stopped loving purely and sacrificially like Jesus did. Remember, go back to it. Ask God to forgive you and start to love like Christ loved. And if you've never heard the gospel except for this morning or you've never heard it in that way and you think, do you know what? We're not Christians because we don't want to go to hell. We are Christians because we were sinners and we needed a saviour and that saviour is Jesus Christ. We don't fear hell. We don't fear death. We know that we needed a saviour because we were dead in our sins and Jesus came along and gave us life abundantly. And if you've never heard that this morning, then today is your day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation for you because once you accept Jesus in your heart, guess what? The love flows. And once you remember the cross, how he was battered and bruised for you because he loved you, because he chose you, because he saw you, then you can love from that place. Remember where you've fallen and return to love this morning.